boom, just like that. Here we are once again. Happy Monday, everybody. Yes, happy Monday. Um, I've been inside most of the day. Like, you know, I usually stick my head out the, the front porch there and see what it's like. And I didn't uh, realize it till I went up for some fresh air. And uh, it's like 17 degrees outside right now. I mean, if you're watching live, I think. And, uh, okay, it's 14 degrees. Whatever. Sue me for three degrees off. It's a nice day out there. That's um, and that's uh, how you doing, by the way. Uh, I, I know I ask you that every week, but curious to see how you're doing. Hope you're doing okay. That word on there. I've heard words that I will probably remember for the rest of my life. Unprecedented. Um. No crystal balls. I keep hearing that one a lot as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how we handle this. You know, where where are we two years from now, three years from now? What are we sitting down in front of, and uh, what will we be talking about? Will we st we'll be talking about this for years to come. I think the medical world will definitely be talking about this for years to come because uh, and, and and our our government, our politicians will have a lot to talk about for years to come because I think they came up against some obstacles that uh, you know they might have re rehearsed for some of it. I mean, as far as uh, preparing for some kind of pandemic, but I think there was a lot of that stuff that it was just like. How do we deal with this, right? I think that the toughest part in all this is people's emotions. I mean, in normal times, we uh, we question our governments. We we wonder how their decisions are being made, why they're being made, all that sort of stuff. I think most people are putting their faith in our government and going, I think, good job, right? Um, I think. I mean, we don't know all the stuff behind the scenes, but. Doug Ford and his team seem to be doing well. And I know not everybody agrees with their decisions or why didn't you do this sooner? Or what about this? What about me? Just put yourself in their shoes just for a moment. I don't, you, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want the job right now. I really wouldn't want the job. All right, we'll go over to our uh, comments and uh, see who's out there. Jesse's out there. Hello, Jesse, watching on Facebook. And Dom is watching on YouTube. Thanks, Dom, for being here. And hope you're doing good as well, sir. I mean, it's um, – I, I hope you're holding up to, uh, there okay, man. Uh, Jesse, I know you're still working, right? Uh, we'll, we're going to see some different things coming out in the next uh, little while, you know. I've been having some fun the last, uh, well, Stephen Healy and I, we do our show, of course, every Monday at noon, and he lives in the United Kingdom. They're, they've got, it's really interesting to me to, to, to see um, how different countries and different cultures are, are dealing with this, right? And we've all got a little bit of different ideas, or, or we've got, uh, yeah, our governments have different ideas, right? So, yeah, Jess, does that work right now? Okay. I need a chocolate bar soon. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've been out to the donut shop, you know, the drive-through, so, so, so doing, following all the guidelines. I've had more donuts in the last month than I've probably had in the last four years. And it's not like every day or anything. Like, I think I've had maybe four donuts since all this happened. Uh, shout out to Global Donuts on the Golden Mile there. 
Uh, Timmy, I love you. I, I do. You got your 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 points to you, but uh, Global Donuts on on yeah, they had closed for a while and then decided to reopen, and I'm glad they did. They've got some homemade delicious stuff. Anyway, kudos to Gus. Hope you're being safe, you and your staff. I've been doing this thing called bad dad jokes, and it's been catching on a little bit. Not that I was the original guy that thought of dad jokes, but. I'm calling them bad dad jokes. If you don't really know, my daughter, I, I talk about, she gave me this calendar for Christmas, and I get a dad joke on there for every day. So if you missed earlier, I'm not going to read a whole week's worth to you, but I just thought this one, I remember this one, like I wish I had a thunk to write something like this because some of these were like sayings that I was saying when I was a kid. So why didn't I write a book or a calendar about it and then sell a whole bunch of them, right? Okay, what did the big chimney say to the little chimney? <laughs> Nothing. Chimneys can't talk. All right. I won't make you suffer through any more than that. But hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you're doing okay. Um, I it, It's really – I like to see so many people being creative. You know, Stephen Healy and I were talking earlier about how uh, a lot of us have been forced to be creative or we've been forced to go, you know, that idea I've had for a lot of years, maybe now's the time to do it. Uh, businesses are having to adapt, figuring out how to do it online, right? Um, so I've been seeing like Name That Tunes and Trivia and Cahoots and all that sort of stuff. We're going to talk about bingo. Uh -huh. um, and the world came together, didn't they? One world together at home that came together last Friday. Millions and millions and millions of people, millions fold, uh, gathered to watch One World Together at home. Uh, Lady Gaga, Elton John, uh, Paul McCartney was there, and just a whole long list. I only caught a little bit of it, but it's nice to see this kind of thing happening online. And I hope a lot of people are sitting back going, hmm, just kind of reflecting on a lot of stuff. Um, and it wasn't just that. It wasn't just them that was doing it. We were doing it local here. We, <laughs> myself and K106.3 uh, got together to put on the Friday Night Music Fever, which happens every Friday at 8 o'clock, Friday, of course. Acoustical performances from local musicians. Uh, this was our fifth week of doing this. Joined by my new co-host, uh, Julie Coulomb, or Jules, coming to you live from the She Shack. And this week we had very special guest, uh, Lee Coltman. I hadn't seen him in a while. It was nice to see him. And he said he hadn't played in a while. So uh, he was sort of forced to get the guitar out. Nick Swales, he also joined us. And the legendary Joan Spaulding came along. And uh, we had two hours of great acoustical music. A lot of people showed up. So we'll be doing it again this week on uh, Friday night, May the 1st. Can you believe that? This Friday is May the 1st. And I know, like, I don't you we usually, like, get to, like, February and we go, like, whew, how do we hit February? How do we hit March? And then, you know, pandemic comes along and we're, it's May 1st, people. We're going to be okay, especially with things like Friday Night Music Fever and some other great things that are happening around town. It's, it's, it's nice to see all of that uh, going on. All right, just to give you some uh, COVID-19 updates, um, let me take care of that. So locally right now, there are, uh, this is as of late last night, about uh, quarter after nine, 170 confirmed cases, 80 recovered, and uh, 14 uh, deaths, which it has been sitting at that number for close to a week. Don't quote me on all the numbers. Uh, 
This comes from the Lampson Public Health. Uh, I say it a lot, but I keep repeating this one. Get your news from the right places. LamptonPublicHealth.ca uh, is a great place to uh, get your local information. Um, so again, 170 cases and only, uh, well, I say only 14 fatalities. I say only because I mean it's been that way for a little while now. So it's good to see that staying. We don't want to see that number go up anymore. If you need some information, there is a hotline that's been created uh, by the city of Sarnia. Number on the screen. I'll post this after the Facebook or just go to sarnia.ca to uh, get uh, all these numbers and all the accurate information once again. And, uh, you know, listen, th this is a stressful time, obviously, you know, and uh, we all need someone to talk to. Some of us don't have anybody with us to talk to. Imagine not having anybody. I couldn't imagine being by myself. I'd keep busy, but I think I'd go a little crazy after a while. And there's a lot of people that are just struggling uh, with a lot of mental health. And we're going to be talking about that with one of our guests later on. But uh, Donna Martin from the Family Counseling Center was here a few weeks ago and talked to us. And there's a 24-hour distress line. So jot that number down. Uh, and keep it for yourself on the fridge and share it with people that you think uh, might need uh, somebody to talk to. I bet you're calling a lot of people you haven't called in years, right? Saying, hey, do you remember me from high school? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But uh, those are the numbers. And um, uh, interesting earlier today, just a, more of a bit of a news update. Uh, Doug Ford earlier today. At 1.30, we had a live feed broadcast here on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. It's there for replay. And a lot of questions. They were they were out there revealing the framework for getting the province reopened. I remember when I got the the, the, the notification that this was going to happen and reading it, and I was like, oh, I don't know how much. Um, Doug Ford said it very well. This is a roadmap, not a calendar. So what that means is they did not set any dates uh, on any of this stuff uh, just yet. He did make it clear that their top priority remains protecting the health and safety of the people of Ontario and supporting the frontline heroes as they do everything in their power to contain and defeat this virus. Uh, at the same time, they are preparing for the responsible, he really emphasized that a lot, the responsible restart of our economy. I don't think there's anybody, uh, everybody wants to get things back to work and business booming again. And I am pretty sure the government really would like to see that as well. So um, if you want to find out more good, accurate information, there's the Ontario website to go and get that. Or you can go to our Facebook page and uh, daily we'll be broadcasting uh, the Premier of Ontario um, and his team with announcements. And uh, Dr. David Williams, uh, Chief Medical Officer for Ontario, We'll have that broadcast coming up a little bit later on tonight as well. Well, this is something certainly important to us all um, and uh, can hit even closer to home for many. Tomorrow, Tuesday, April the 28th, is the National Day of Mourning. And the uh, Sarnia and District Labor Council is uh, reminding everybody that tomorrow is April the 28th, Day of Mourning. And they're encouraging everybody to light a candle for loved ones ill, injured, or lost due to workplace illness, injury, or death on the job. And um, they haven't set any exact dates, but uh, normally they would uh, have some kind of ceremony here and sign you for that. Obviously, that's not allowed right now, but at some point they will be uh, putting that out when they can do that and uh, having that day of mourning. So uh, good to remember that as well. 
All right. Well, I'm going to move on to my first guest. And a lot of things happen um, for sure when uh, this type of thing happens. <laughs> this type of thing. When does this ever happen? But uh, the pandemic has certainly forced a lot of people to uh, adapt to things. And there's a lot of services in our community that are still needed. Um, you know, things like certain things just don't stop and don't go away, like homelessness and the need for transportation and to get around. And we've got the executive director from Lampton Elderly Outreach, Bill Yurchek, joining me here today. How you doing, Bill? Good, Dave. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for giving me the time here today. Um, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well. Um, What's this adaptation been like for uh, Lampton Elderly Outreach? Well, it's, it's quickly become a new normal, to be honest. And, you know, a lot of our services, as we spoke the last time, are, are continuing. You know, transportation, Meals on Wheels, our personal support through PSWs, uh, some housekeeping, because, you know, some of that's essential for those who are really vulnerable. Our social work, so all of that is continuing. So, you know, we're now into, I think, week seven of, of the bulk of, of COVID. So we're, you know, yeah. it's almost becoming a new normal, if you will. So <laughs> we're just continuing to keep our staff safe and keep our clients safe and continuing to provide whatever service we can. And we've made all kinds of new relationships as a result, which, you know, we can talk about. Um, but, uh, you know, we're still going really strong with a, with a tremendous uh, staff and group of volunteers. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, well, let's kind of remind everybody what Lampton Elderly Outreach does in the community, um, you know, kind of services they provide. And then, yeah, let's talk about some of those new relationships. Sure. So we, we established 1970. Our, our mandate is essentially to provide services to adults uh, 60 and over and those with disabilities to help them maintain independence and, and live comfortably at home, whatever home it could be. It could be a house, apartment, retirement home, long-term care facility, whatever that is. So we provide accessible transportation, normal. In, so pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID, that would be social trips and medical trips. Um, could be to the grocery store, the pharmacy, to visit a, you know, a son, because quite honestly, the um, social, con um, social conditions of health is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Social as well as looking for. But during COVID, we've narrowed that down to, of course, essential services. So for those who are having to travel for cancer treatment, say to London, or um, dialysis, or, you know, if they're having to go to the hospital, whatever case, of course, we're not emergency service. We suggest they call 911, but a lot of times we're bringing them home. We're, right. we're assisting uh, the, uh, the end of the Good Shepherd, who have partnered with the County of Lambton to help displace some of the people who are living at the inn and put them to a safer place, whether they are overly vulnerable or whether they're displaying symptoms. We're isolating them, so we're assisting with transportation, as well as Meals on Wheels in that regard. Uh, our social work are still going strong, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, meaning that, you know, they're handling clients with very, very difficult problems, whether it's uh, abuse or hoarding or eviction, although during yeah. COVID, there are no evictions happening, but just very, very sensitive, you know, unfortunate work that they're doing and of course our personal support our, our psws are very very busy uh, assisting clients on a on a fee for service basis meaning they pay us direct at a subsidized rate or uh, a lot of lin funded work that's happening we're, we're being very helpful in that regard uh, we've stretched into chatham kent with transportation as well as personal care and mm -hmm. even london, london health sciences center has reached out to us 
and asked if we could assist with some of their transportation because uh, some, most agencies, in fact, uh, us and uh, one in Bruce County, which is Concordon, I think are the only two hmm. Lynn funded agencies who are still transporting COVID positive or COVID suspects. So we're very busy doing that, helping, ha- helping, sorry, really all of Southwestern Ontario, not just Lambton County any longer. And of course, we're happy to help do that. Well, it's, and I guess it's uh, good that you're able to uh, be able to provide that as well, I guess would be uh, uh, a positive thing to come out of all of that, to be able to offer that extended arm, so to speak. And um, what about cost to all of this though? Like, um, you know, everything, this all takes money, right? And if you're providing more services, um, is there, has there been help from the government for Lambton Elderly Outreach or how does that work for you? Not yet, but we're optimistic that there will be. We've been advised by our funders to keep track, you know, almost under a COVID functional center, we call it, and just kind of keep track of our extra expenses because, you know, even personal protective equipment is much more important now than it ever was. And as you know, it's a worldwide problem. It's shortage. So we're just maintaining, you know, kind of a, a list, if you will, of expenses. And, you know, we're just hopeful that uh, the government will support us just like they're supporting, you know, yeah. uh, community members. And we have no reason to believe they won't. And, and we're just working on faith. And quite honestly, regardless, it's still the right thing to do. And, you know, we'll just figure it out <laughs> when it's all over. Well, I think this is uh, one of those times where organizations can probably expect some financial support from the government. So it's not one of those times where they're like, are they going to help us out this election or, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. It, what, uh, let's talk about the, the, the workers involved with the Lambton elderly outreach, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there's been a lot of adapting for them. Um, what about the mental health side of things in all of this for your workers? Are, are they, um, are they needing some extra training in, through all of this or are they coping and how are they going to like, Take me yeah. down that road for them. Sure. And I think all the above, my, quite honestly, Dave, uh, yes, there's been additional training on the, on the donning and dofting of PPE, uh, you know, yeah. how to, how to uh, um, dispose of it properly, when to wear it. So provincial mandates have told us, you know, which clients you need to wear it with and which clients you don't, because every client is getting pre-screened. Yeah. And, you know, of course, COVID positive or COVID suspect clients are, uh, you know, that much more PPE. So, you know, of course, our workers have all the same anxieties as everyone else does, the unknown, the uncertainty, the fears of their family and all of that. And so then you pile, you know, you pile the fact that they're essential workers on top. And and I can tell you that the outpouring of love from the community to our, you know, essential workers, our frontline workers, we see the signs, like that really helps, man, because it really tell, shows them, you know, that they are being supported. And, you know, there's a new government uh, announcement the other day that they're, providing almost a hazard pay, if you will, for frontline workers. We don't yep. know the details of that yet, but, you know, it's very encouraging news. Leo kind of um, did that ahead of time. Like we implemented a couple of hazard pay scenarios okay. a lot, like a couple of weeks ago. So we're, you know, we're, we're <laughs> thankful of this happening quite honestly, because that'll assist us financially. Cause again, uh, you know, we, we just do some of these decisions just because of the right thing to do. But, you know, of course we have EAP employment assistance programs for our staff. But quite honestly, they're so resilient and they're so tenacious that, you know, they truly you know, love what they're doing. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's very, very true. And, you know, we have staff like volunteering to what else can I do and volunteers themselves asking oh, yeah. what else can I do. 
And we have had staff take layoffs, voluntary layoffs, and that's because of family situations or their own health situations. Of course, all of those are very real. And, and you know, we kind of handle those with care on a, on a case-by-case basis. But for the most yeah. part, you know, we're just going strong as we can with, with wonderful, wonderful people. Well, Bill, uh, you and I have had many conversations over the years. We've gotten to know each other, and I think we both yeah. agree that uh, – uh, the area that we live in is just quite a community when in time of need, just really um, feelings get put aside and just, okay, we got to do this thing. Um, you're, I'm guessing you're seeing a lot of that right now with, with what we're going through and what Lampton Elderly Outreach is having to deal with. Yeah, it's big time, David. Our, our community is so strong and so collaborative, honestly. And, and uh, we have some neighbors, we, you know, we'll talk about them specifically, but we have some neighbors that there's, you know, I mean, community neighbors that are a bit of infighting and, and they're, they're not working as seamlessly as we are. And, and mm. it's just so encouraging that like, great right from, you know, Blue Water Health to Red Cross to the March of Dines, the Good Shepherd, doesn't matter what agency it is. You know, if you need something, you just pick up the phone. We have a really strong uh, Sarnia Lampton social service network. It's called where all the leaders meet, usually on a monthly basis. Right now, it's biweekly, and and you know, eighty percent of the call is you know, what can I do for you, and what can you do for me, and it's mm. it's really encouraging. And you know, we're really taking down the the, the silos, if you will. And you know, this pre-COVID, all the talk about Ontario health teams and all of that, where Sarnia Lampton's ramping up to become an Ontario health team. And what this has really done is it's really fast forwarded a lot of that work and taken it off the tables, like off the theoretical tables and really put it into practice. And, and it just works so smoothly. Like we have staff that are, you know, uh, communicating with the hospital and with the Lynn, like on a day, like several times a day. I can't even say on a day. Yeah. So it's really, really encouraging to watch. Yeah. You as an executive director, uh, obviously, you, you know, you monitor your staff and, and make sure everybody's, uh, uh, got what they they need and deserve, and there's there's just a lot. Is there um, there there must be a lot of new experience as an executive director of something like this that uh, it's a learning experience for you as well, Bill. Oh, big time! Yeah, I never like you know my director of uh, home support is usually the one that's purchasing and managing all our personal protective equipment. You know, just because. Right. You know, you can, you can get it whenever you need it, and you just have it downstairs, and you hand it out when you when you need it. And but now it's like, Take you know, two. oh, absolutely, <laughs> there's really strong, you know, conversations and and big concerns about, yeah. you know, are we going to have enough? Can we get it at you know fair prices? And who's going to be able to provide it? Like it's it's really to the point where the province has generated uh, like a stewardship, a distribution system of PPE, like you know, who would have thought that rubber gloves would be so important, you know, things like that. And I'm not making jest of it, but it's gone down to, you know, things that small are now so big, you know. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned the rubber gloves. I remember uh, while we were still able to be out walking around, uh, Jennifer and I went, we're at a Canadian tire and I saw these deals going. So I was in deal mode. I was buying stuff and I saw these boxes of rubber gloves (laughs) <laughs> and I was, I was looked at those and I thought, oh, maybe I should have some in the garage. And then I thought, well, I'm not, yeah, never mind. And they had stacks of them and I didn't buy one, not, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and so, I mean, those are, I, I only bring that up because we really are in a state of, of realizing what we have taken for granted for so long, right down to a rubber glove. You yeah. know, 
right down to a phone call, really, you know, oh, um, uh, you know, uh, kids, uh, I miss my kids, right. You know, and lots of people are missing their kids. Their head's going to pop off when I finally can hug them. Right. You know, but thank goodness for FaceTime uh, and on all these other, have you been, how have you been with utilizing the online uh, uh, tools that you've had to, have you had to learn anything new with that? Yeah, I mean, I was familiar with a lot of them in the past, but certainly didn't use them to the volume now. Like you might have a Zoom call once a month or something if you need to talk right. to somebody across the province. Now there's literally five, six, seven, eight a day. And, and yeah. you see people with all the fancy backgrounds and, and all that kind of thing. So, oh, yeah. you know, but I think, <laughs> yeah, but what I think it's showing is, you know, it, it's going to open the door for a new way of doing business because, you know, the way we used to work, even post-COVID, is not going to yeah. be the way we work now because we've learned a lot of things that are important. We've found efficiencies that we can implement and, you know, and all of that. You touched on the isolation, you know, and that's a really big one. Like I'm, I'm happy about programs like this and, and, you know, people using electronics to just interact with families. You know, I know we're going to talk about an event that uh, you and I and Ron Clark Motors are putting together. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just really, really important because, you know, people are, you get stir crazy, quite honest. And, you know, I saw a post on Facebook and it said, you know, if, let's say you finished Sons of Anarchy. It said, I finished Netflix. You know, it was kind of a funny right. comment. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously they're in jest, but it, it's it's just such a new normal and, and human connection and kindness and love, as cliche because that sounds, is no more important than it is right now. Yeah. I never thought I would uh, be visiting my father uh, in a nursing home through a window. And, right. and I, I think, you know, uh, um, fortunately, and, but I can't visit my mother cause she's on the second floor. Right. Oh, you know? yeah. So I think, thankfully he has a window on the main grounds, you know, and, and right. I think to myself, boy, uh, how fortunate are we, but I feel for all of those, for everybody else who's on the second floor or don't have a window, yeah. right? You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and, and shout out to the workers too. Like um, I've been able to arrange FaceTimes with mom and dad and all that stuff. And I'm sure there are a whole bunch of FaceTimes going on out there. Um, do, does your, you or your staff, you deal with any of that? Do you come across that at all? Yeah, quite a bit. We, we've helped a lot of, so our PSWs that are in the homes, uh, I know for a fact have helped, a lot of you know seniors with their computer if they have it or or new tablet that they don't even know how to turn on and and you yeah. know really showing how to do the FaceTime and and you know uh, tools like that Skype and for those non air uh, iPhone users um, so yeah that's that's even more prevalent than than it ever has been you know on a personal note I had a grandson born on the eighth of February I've seen him twice in in person early in his life and you know yeah. everything now has been been remotely so you know it's it's really really glad that we have that, you know, imagine something like this happening, you know, whatever, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, you know, it'd be a different world than what we're experiencing. Don't want to go there. Thanks very much. No, that's right. That's right. Well, Bill, just before we wrap up, you kind of uh, led into uh, what we were going to talk about here. We got the uh, online bingo. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, we have a really strong partnership with Ron Clark Motors. They, do all our maintenance and, and we purchase some vehicles from them and JD Power and Jay McKay, who are at, at Ron Clark. JD had this great idea and he actually borrowed it from a friend of his out east and just to create a bingo and, and it's free. You email uh, the email address running along the bottom there. It's bingo at Lampton Elderly Outreach.org and we will email you a card and use the same card every week. 
and Dave, you know, of course, you know, but uh, for your listeners to know, you are a huge supporter of this. And in fact, you brought it to a whole different level. We we're going to try to run it off a phone and have a, you know, a crank. Uh, no way I was going to let thing. you guys try no. to do this on your own. Yeah, you stepped it up big time. So, <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's major. And so it runs Wednesday nights. This week, we're, I think we're on the air at 630. So we can announce some of the prizes and we start yeah, at seven. Right. There's no cost for this. We just wanted to, you know, implement something into the community that we could encourage uh, uh, socialization and try to reduce some isolation. And we've had all kinds of businesses throughout the community that have donated yeah. prizes. And we literally, you know, um, deliver prizes to the winners at their at their door. There's no contact. And, you know, the prizes are outstanding. And in fact, last week we started at seven. And this week, I, I know uh, we're starting at 630 just so we could announce what the prizes are going to do. And bit a shout out for the for the suppliers of the prizes, the, the, the sponsors. So, yeah, so yeah uh, bingo at lampsandoutofthehourage.org to get your card. Now, if you played last week and you have a card already, you don't need a new one. Just use the same card over again. And this will go on in, until we run out of people that are watching. I and this is not your had, and this is not your normal bingo, folks. There's a little bit no. of uh, uh, chop busting and other things, <laughs> the antics that go on through. Uh, this isn't your quiet bingo hall by any means. No, if you're looking for <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for a serious bingo game, you got to look somewhere else. Yeah, we have a, we well, have some banter and we're gonna have some entertainment, uh, all kinds of fun things. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, it worked out really well. I think at one point we had about 190 people. Uh, watching live and playing along, and I know there's it's going to be bigger this week, so yeah, uh, looking forward to that. Bill, uh, thanks so much for your time. I know you've had a busy day, and I hope you get time. And, and I look forward to the time when you and I can get out and have a cold one together, absolutely. Yep, bring on the cold water, <laughs> right on, <laughs> Bill. Your check, uh, thanks again, and stay safe, my friend. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for doing what you do. Bill Yurchuk uh, from the uh, Lampton Elderly Outreach, executive director there, and a great conversation. And the bingo is a lot of fun and a uh, real stress reliever. Like I said that earlier at the beginning of the show, it's really nice to see people being forced to be creative is not a bad thing. And having to step out of the box and learn uh, learn something new in this time as well. I'm going to learn how to play guitar. My daughter's going to attempt that one. We'll see how that goes. But it is that time. And Lampton Elderly Outreach uh, will post their uh, website uh, one more time here for you. We'll also be posting all the links to uh, get more information with everybody that we're talking to here today. So make sure you check that out. All right. Well, we just touched about it there a little bit, but uh, we often have conversations about mental health. And, of course, um, mental health being more and more and more talked about over the past while of time, but more so even now with this pandemic crisis. And we're going to bring one of the experts here, Paula Rem Zimmer. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Paula. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, just tell everybody a little bit who you are, but you, uh, we know that you're the, you know, the Vice President of Mental Health and Addiction Services at Blue Water Health and at uh, Canadian Mental Health Association. Yeah, so um, that's my background, and actually, my so the unique piece is having um, some leadership role at both the hospital and community. So it's really been a it's a great opportunity to bring the two sectors together, and with an objective of being as seamless as possible. And in these times, we're really recognizing the importance of that type of model um, being available to our community. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you made that point because uh, that's kind of rare to see. You know, somebody in your position coming from two different angles, I guess you could say, right? It's worked out well, though. 
It has. Yeah, it is uncommon. It's uncommon to have a hospital executive with a community. Although um, when we went down this road, um, we, as we've gone to CMHA conferences or hospital conferences, after we present, um, probably one of the most common questions that people come up to is, how did you get your hospital to agree to this? Or right. how did you get your community organization to agree to this? Um, so there's always, there's a lot of interest, both Alan um, and myself and Michael Payne received questions on how are you able to bring that model together because it really does um, suit the patient experience best. And um, mm -hmm. you kind of, you do put um, organizations and labels and brands aside and really stay very patient-centered in how we approach this. Yeah. So um, needless to say, you're extra busy right now, or are you? And I, well, I say that yeah. with, uh, you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, certainly before COVID, I mean, we were presenting a weekly in the community and talking about the mental health and addictions crisis that was before us. And um, we often present the statistic of one in five individuals will experience a mental illness. <laughs> Yeah. And of those, only 25% actually seek help. Yeah. Um, so that has been kind of our um, conversation for months and even a few years prior to. Um, and now we know that COVID, the strain of COVID has um, increased the pressure in that regards. There was actually just a, um, a report issued today by CBC that um, the um, Angus Reid had issued today. And they had identified that uh, more than 50% of Canadians um, speak about the profound impact of um, COVID on their mental well-being. Uh, so we know that um, although this is always an alarming crisis, the challenge for us right now is we are seeing reduced numbers coming forward for help. Yeah, um, I would think that that would, that scares me, it, yeah. concerns me strongly. It, it's concerning for all of us. It's, it really is this kind of lull and people describe it as this eerie sense of quiet, knowing mm -hmm. that um, we, we have capacity right now. All of our organizations are open um, and operating. Um, Canadian Mental Health Association out there in the community, um, Blue Water Health, our psychiatrists, our Department of Psychiatry, our addictions program, the withdrawal management program where people can walk in. Um, we're all opened and um, we are seeing reduced number of people. We're concerned that people, um, certainly I think that they're doing their community, um, their part in keeping our community safe and taking the stay at home very much to heart. Um, but we're also concerned those same individuals. Um, we know that many of them are at home suffering in silence and not reaching out. Uh, so that's probably a big message that we want to share today is that um, we do have capacity. Um, we want you to reach out. We know in mental health and in addiction that the sooner you reach out, um, the better. We can get involved sooner and um, reduce any type of emotional distress that people are experiencing. So um, please, uh, I, I'm, I hope that you can post our contact information um, after uh, the CMHA yeah. and St. Clair Child and Youth, lots of services for youth and children. Public Health have an excellent website that show all of the mental health and addiction services. So don't hesitate to reach out. Um, just as Bill talked about um, before me, uh, we have gone to, you know, we've accelerated the way that we are able to offer virtual visits now. Um, for years, okay. we really 
Um, for years, we've tried to um, introduce the electronic visit and even the psychiatry consults. Um, that's had slow uptake. Now our psychiatrists all are um, offering virtual visits. They are managing their own electronic weight rooms, which is fantastic. Uh, it's probably moved us ahead, um, probably years ahead of where we um, would be otherwise trying to get to. Yeah, and uh, well, it, <laughs> you heard me talking to Bill there, a learning yeah. experience for everybody involved, right? Um, are we prepared coming out of this? You know, I, I mean, like uh, I can think of a, a hundred gazillion scenarios of, uh, you know, people being anxious to get get out and have a drink or get out and see a loved one um, to uh, go to a wedding, uh, all those things. And then, you know, um, people going, okay, so I didn't, I didn't get evicted because that wasn't allowed, but now that this is over, now it's back to reality. Now I'm still dealing with all those pressures, all those things. Are we prepared to handle this? Well, it's it definitely prior to COVID, it was already an overwhelming situation. You yeah. know, our wait lists were growing. Um, our ability to respond to the demands were stretched. Um, so it is concerning on what's, what life after COVID is going to leave for us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some, some of the positive of that is um, anxiety and stress does help to shape some behavior. So we hope that um, when we come out of this, people will continue to be very responsible and diligent about their safety and our community safety. Um, and that's what stress and anxiety sometimes does for us, makes us hypervigilant. Um, so, you know, there's um, a positive piece to that, but definitely um, it's going to be an overwhelming responsibility for all of us, um, not just the health, mental health care sector, um, certainly throughout um, workplaces. Um, mental wellness was already, you know, one of the major issues that we are looking at in, in workplace in general. We know yeah. that many WSIB or um, long-term sick leaves, um, mental illness was contributing to that. So we really have a big task ahead of us to uh, provide the support and, um, and make sure that environment continues to kind of nurture and accept um, that um, emotional reaction that people are going to have when they start unpacking and processing everything. Right now we're so busy doing, um, we're not... Yeah. You know, we're not processing as much as we really will be when we take that pause and think, what the heck just happened? It's kind of like no time to grieve right now. You, you grieve later kind of thing, right? It, it is. is. That, yeah. And that's the yeah. whole impact of post-traumatic stress disorder, right? It, it just creeps up one event after the other. And then when you, you know, when you kind of allow it to be processed, it, it's an overwhelming reaction if we don't take care of those events one at a time. Well, let's talk about that overwhelmness for a moment. I mean, we're we're, we're talking about uh, you know people in the community and the patients and um, everybody that uh, people in your position, the frontline workers, are having to deal with, and uh, you know people are certainly grateful for frontline workers. What about them and their mental health? Are you having to deal with that in the workplace? Uh, uh, the, the you know the the there's more needed a little more than a pat on the back here in this situation, right? What about the workers' mental health? Yeah, excellent question. And it, it has been a really important strategy for many of our workplaces. Um, for us at Blue Water Health, um, we've created what's called a resilient strategy team. Um, we have created a um, team that actually has 
um, departments that a team is um, responsible for. So going out and doing rounding, visiting, um, talking about, you know, mental health tips. Um, we've created a 24-7 phone line. So we do have a team at the hospital that we're encouraging anyone to contact, regardless of um, the severity of the conversation, that the importance of kind of unpacking it um, one day at a time is important. So we've created that telephone line um, and a bunch of other resources. And we continue to have this conversation on a daily basis around Blue Water Health. Uh, CMHA has done the same and has really looked at workplace wellness. How do we stay connected? We have many of our staff who are working from home now. So um, it's a new situation. They're isolating, um, they're away from their peers and often that relationship has is critical to collaborate and deal with difficult circumstances. So they're yeah. working from home alone. Um, so that's been front, um, you know, top of mind to um, what we're doing day to day. And I know other organizations in our community, whether it be the um, city or the fire department, other peers of ours have um, also identified how they're in implementing similar strategies. So yeah. um, we are hearing a lot about mental health and addictions through a lot of COVID conversations uh, through the media. Um, so that's excellent. You know, it, it's great that it's a conversation now that's, you know, top of mind to people. Well, that's good to hear because uh, that's, uh, um, you know, the stress, you talk about relationships, right? You know, I don't think it takes too much to figure out that there's probably going to be an increase of uh, marital issues or divorces, separations. I hate sound like negative guy, but um, these times, it's it's just an added stress to what was already existing. You know, money and and kids and all that stuff that we're already dealing with, right? So, um, I, I guess you're probably. <laughs> I keep hearing this a lot in in the in the media world. That we, I don't have a crystal ball. The crystal ball. The crystal ball. Mm -hmm. We really don't, right? And um, how do you predict what you're probably going to need to provide into the community from all of this? Uh, well, just like you said, there it's difficult. To predict. <laughs> yeah. um, but if we if we go with the statistics that we know of, and, yeah. and there's been so much work underway, you know that um, we have to just keep on with that important work. Um, there's important work that we're um, doing to prepare ourselves for youth mental health um, with the Access mm -hmm. Open Minds initiative. Very important initiative still to move on and make sure that youth have space to connect in the future in our community. Something more. Um, collaborative. We have excellent resources now, um, and we and we do really do have to kind of carry on some of the um, important work that has already begun. Um, the community has put their shoulder behind a lot of the opioid crisis work and wanting to stay the course with that and can continue to implement a lot of important initiatives. Um, but we we know that we are already a high demand. We only expect it to be more when yeah. um, we're on the other side of this. Yeah. Paula, how are you doing? You've got a lot on your shoulders here. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. I am, um, you know, there, the challenge is um, it's, we're surrounded by such great people. And I know Bill spoke to it so often, so often in his response, but there's, there's a sense of community of the community leaders and people rallying together. And um, we're already down that path, just as Bill said, with the Ontario Health Team. Um, I think it's very validating because it really showed that the work we're yeah. doing in a situation like this made it all 
even more meaningful than ever and and for the future why we need to continue down that path so it, it's very rewarding work as healthcare providers um it's been very stressful but um extremely re rewarding for all of us well thank you for your leadership and, and your hard work uh, i've seen a lot of what you've been doing and uh many people are grateful so thank you for that um before i let you go paul is there anything uh, you want to put out there that i might have missed no, probably the important emphasis of um, please reach out for help. Um, we have, we're actually, our capacity, we probably, our wait lists are lower than ever um, because people kind of putting that off and maybe thinking that um, we're um, less available than we are. But right now is a great time to reach out. Um, the contact information I shared and, and we'll continue to publicize it. But um, please um, look for the assistance that you need. Very good. We'll make sure we post all of that after the show as well to uh, keep getting that information out there. It is, is very, very important. Paula, thank you so much for your time today and uh, your leadership again, and stay safe. Great. Thank you. You too. You're welcome. Paula Rem Zimmer, um, talking about mental health here today, and services still available for mental health. And we will post phone numbers and websites and everything uh, to get you the right information. And as she just mentioned, it's a good time to reach out because the waiting lists are low because it seems like people are, for whatever reason, hesitant um, to reach out. So now's a good time for that. And preparing for what is going to come out of this, certainly expecting more. There's going to be a lot of stresses that happen along. It's nice to know that we have these organizations in our community. Many of these organizations that we talk about you maybe don't even realize exist. They're kind of those uh, um, organizations that until you need that support, you don't even know they're there. You don't think about it. So um, I guess one of the positive things about something like this is there's a whole lot more awareness going on out there. Let's remember when we get through this phase that we're in, that we remember these organizations and uh, – know the importance that they are in our community. Thanks again, Paul, for being here. All right. Well, we're going to go on to a little more art and creativeness here. And um, Ian McLean, waiting patiently in the lobby. Thanks for being here today, Ian. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. No problem. Ian, uh, you are an art teacher at Northern, and uh, you're proud to be here today to talk about Gallery in the Grove and the uh, student art exhibition in the first virtual uh, display of this. Yeah, it, it's unreal. So uh, right, I, I teach at Northern Collegiate. I've taught there for many, many years. And, uh, you know, we've, the art teachers have hosted the Lambton County Student Art Show for, for many years. It's a very long-standing tradition. Um, we did a little bit of research a couple of years ago, and, and we think it probably started a little over 50 years ago, so back in the late 1960s. Oh, wow. Um, so our teachers got together, and, and yeah, it's it's incredible that it's and it's it has not stopped. So it's been a nonstop exhibit for all of those years. Um, so uh, our teachers have organized it. It used to be held at the old um, Sarnia Public Art Gallery above the library downtown. Oh yeah, right. And then the exhibit was held. Yeah, remember that. And then uh, yeah. it was held at Gallery Lambton, which was down at the old Bayside Mall. And, uh, and then for the last several years, it's been held split between two different venues. So gallery in the Grove and the Lawrence House. And uh, so for the last, last several years, it's been organized by, by teachers and kind of a community collaboration with the two different galleries. And it's always been a very lively exhibit. 
um, full of uh, full of artwork uh, from students, you know, through all the, all the different grades. So we're we're really excited to be able to offer it again. Yeah. Well, I I was really pleased when uh, like Kirsten reached out to me and uh, uh, pointed out that this was happening, and I was like, well, it's really good to see that things like art are still being continued through all of this. Um, Cause I think a lot of times uh, art and, you know, music, it sort of gets forgotten in the background. Like it's not a big deal or it's not a priority. Um, so th th this is, I'm assuming a part of this is keeping it out in the forefront of people's minds. Right. Cause it really is important in our community. Right. I think people are finding particularly now art has always served the role of um, allowing us to reflect on our, our world around us and, and our observations of the world. And, and we use it really as a way to communicate, communicate feelings and communicate ideas. Yeah. So I think particularly now, I think a lot of art teachers are finding it's such an, an excellent way to engage our students. So our, our students, everybody's world has shut down. The world has kind of stopped for everybody. We can't uh, join our sports teams. We can't go to the gym. We can't go to school. Um, we can't go to the libraries. We can't go to the theater. So what do we do? What do we? Yeah. We're maybe be you know doing work around the house. We're getting outside. We're maybe cooking. A lot of people are cooking these days. But art is one of those things that I find is really helping people. It's really, and we're noticing it's helping our young people. It's helping our our students um, express themselves and, and keep themselves busy. So yeah. we've already started to receive a lot of artwork um, into the exhibit, and it's it's unreal the uh, what the what the students are producing, how they're looking at the world around them, and and now they have this venue, and we're so grateful to Gallery in the Grove for providing this opportunity. We we kind of just assumed that the the show wouldn't go on this year, um, but when Kirsty contacted me, and my first thought was. It just sounded too complicated. I'm not sure that we could make it happen. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. sure how to do it. I talked to a few a few colleagues, and we thought, let's let's do it. It's going to be a different show, no doubt. Everything is different this year. Um, yeah. But let's let's give it a try, and uh, and it's, people are responding to it. So how how is this all going to work? Is this a, a, a Zoom or like what what's happening? So there will be a virtual gallery. So uh, students are allowed to, if you if they go to the, the link at galleryinthegrove.com, uh, yep. there is a link for students to, to click on. And, uh, you know, as long as they're a, a high school student in Lambton County, so that could be either school board, the Lambton Kent or the Catholic uh, school board as well. And they can uh, submit up to two different artworks in different uh, media. So there's... You no know, traditional ones: painting, drawing, sculpture, printmaking, craft, photography, digital media. We haven't had a video submission, but we'll see if we can figure out how to do that. Um, we'll receive the artwork, and you know the work will be juried for the show. We'll be making selections for the exhibit. Um, the deadline for exhibits or for submissions is May the fourth, I believe. Yes, and I know they uh, they extended that. Yeah. Yeah, we decided to give people a little bit more time for that. And then the actual exhibit will uh, be held from May 10th to the 15th, and it will be hosted or posted through the, uh, the gallery uh, website and just as a virtual exhibit, so through their um, online um, media. Okay. 
Now, how are you? Uh, um, you're a teacher. At, at, are you? You're still teaching from home now, are you? Uh, how is? How's that going for you? It, it's a different world. It really is a different world. I think uh, teachers are known for being very adaptable, and uh, if you give us a challenge, we're <laughs> we're going to take it. It's uh, it's different for the students, and, and definitely different for the teachers as well. It's a uh, it's a different world for us. We we terribly miss engaging one-on-one -on -one with our yeah. students. Um, we, we find that they provide us with a lot of creative energy. So that is kind of lacking, but um, we're very thankful for the technology that we have now. So through online platforms, a lot of courses already, um, you know, have some online platforms. So those are enabling us to still, you know, give students artistic challenges so we can, you know, give them some photography assignments and they can do some drawing. Um, and so it's it's really interesting to see how how our students are responding to that. So we can still engage with them, we can still communicate with them, um, but of course it is it is a lot different. But uh, we're finding also our students are being very adaptable to this new way yeah. of learning as well. Yeah, they're they're probably teaching they're, you they're a thing or teaching two. You a thing or two. They really are. They really are. <laughs> and and for the, for a lot of them, it's second nature for them, you know, to to live online and to to do work virtually. Um, so for, for a lot of us older guys, you know, we've got to kind of learn a few new tricks and, and new ways of, uh, of communicating. Um, but it's, I, I take it, I know my colleagues as well treat it as a, um, you know, a very healthy challenge. It's a very creative challenge to uh, try to educate in this new way. Yeah. yeah. Moving, Moving forward, forward, coming out of, coming all, out of all this. Oh, I'm hearing oh, myself I'm all hearing of a sudden. Of a sudden. Hmm. So I'll just... Uh, so, are you still there? Uh, are you still there? Yep, I'm still here. I'm just going to mute you while I'm talking so I don't get the echo coming back. Um, coming out of all of this, uh, Ian, you know, well, you heard me talking with Paula and Bill and a lot of people uh, uh, coming out of this. Are things going to be a lot different for the art world as well when we come out of all of this? We're going to have to get creative. How do we how do we teach the traditional media? You know, um, I, I think there are ways around it. I think that um, certainly through photography, through video conferencing, um, I think there are things that, that we can do. But we definitely will have to uh, you know think outside the box, think of uh, of new ways of of engaging our students and for our students to produce new new kinds of artwork. I think we might find a little more of a focus on. You know, on the digital world, digital arts and video art. Yeah, well, I think it's great that this is happening, and uh, I, I'm really glad that uh, they reached out to me to, to to put us in touch and have this conversation. Um, anything else you want to put out there that maybe I missed? Well, again, I, we're just so grateful to Gallery and the Grove for for reaching out to us and to you know really they came up came up with the idea for it. Uh, Kirsty Kilner Holmes and Leanne. Um, really reached out to us and, and are really helping, you know, they, they're, they're helping to make it work for us and to, to smooth the transition into a virtual gallery. So uh, we're very grateful to Gallery and the Growth. We've had a very long-standing relationship with the, yeah. the gallery and with the Lawrence House as well. And they've both been so supportive of art teachers and, and our art students. And, and I think the, the one thing that the exhibit does, and it's done is for 50 years, is to, to teach us and teach the students that, you know, it's good to create work, but it's also good to show the work 
outside of the classroom. It's good to engage in community, um, good to communicate with your community. And so we're, we're really so grateful that the, the gallery is giving us this uh, chance to carry on with it. Yeah. Well, I have a huge appreciation for art. Um, I've said it many times because I can't draw stick people. Um, I don't know if you, uh, you, probably, you probably remember Sue. No, I really can't. <laughs> uh, Sue Gallos was my teacher in grade nine. And, uh, and she was just, uh, she's certainly a missed soul, but uh, she, she pretty much looked me in the eye and said, I don't know what to do with you, David. <laughs> but uh, so I have a huge appreciation for the art. So it's nice to see this uh, yeah. coming to light and, and being kept in the spotlight, I guess is a way to put it. Uh, Ian, thank you so much yeah, for, for sure. uh, being here today and, and uh, enjoy your online learning experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, onwards and upwards. Okay, thanks again. Thanks again, Ian. Ian McLean, teacher at uh, Northern and talking about the gallery in the Grove and the student art exhibition, which is going to be uh, the virtual student art exhibition happening from May 10th through to the 15th. Uh, deadlines, uh, they extended it uh, to give people some more time till May the 4th. You can go to galleryinthegrove.com to get more information about that. And uh, we'll be following up with that as well. So uh, thanks so much again, Ian, and thanks uh, to uh, uh, Kirsten for getting in, in touch with us here to make sure that we can put this out there. And another great example of people getting creative in this time of pandemic. I want to say thank you to my guest, Bill Yurchuk, the executive director from uh, Lampton Elderly Outreach for uh, keeping us updated. Uh, Paula Rem Zimmer, of course, joining us here today and talking about mental health and what is available and times to reach out. And then, of course, Ian McLean there. We'll be posting their information. Uh, some of the information is already available in the post, but we'll get more specific details on our Facebook page. Is there somebody in the community that's doing something that uh, you would like them to be given a shout out to? Or maybe you think there's someone who could be spotlighted here on the show. I'm always looking for guests, positive things that are happening in our community. Don't hesitate to reach out to me. It's not like I'm hard to find, right? I get around on social media. But I want to hear the stories. I want to help share the stories. You know, this is a time where everybody is seeming to collaborate for the most part. I think there's still a tiny few out there not quite following at all. But I think the majority overall, we're seeing a collaboration that we probably never, certainly we never planned for and never uh, thought to expect. Um, maybe there was some planning going on just in case, but I think most of us were like, whoa, what are we going to do with all this? The support is out there. And as I mentioned earlier, it's nice to know that these organizations exist. It's nice to still see art, music, and all the wonderful, glorious things that we probably do take for granted on a regular basis really coming to the forefront. Let's just not forget about it. I thank you all so much for watching, and I hope you're staying safe. And I do look forward to the next time we can talk again. That's all the time I got for you this week. Have a great week and an even better weekend. Until next time, bye for now.